our associates are being developed in a great way and, you know, getting good experiences and we are eliminating all implicit bias to the extent possible so that they all have an equal chance to rise um, and have equal opportunities in the firm. Hello and welcome to Dwayne Mars DNI 360 with Joe West. I'm Eureka Anderson Howard, DEI Manager at Dwayne Morris. We have the pleasure of having as our guest this week, our very own Sharon Caffrey, who is having a discussion with Joe on being a trial partner, managing the trial practice group, and striking a balance between the two. Hi, this is Joe West, partner at Dwayne Morris and the Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer at the firm. Uh, today, I am interviewing one of my favorite people, not just at Dwayne Morris, but one of my favorite people on the planet, uh, Sharon Caffrey. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Joe. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Um, one of the things that I am most proud of at Dwayne Morris is the extent to which we have diverse representation at the leadership ranks. Uh, hopefully, as everyone out there knows our firm was able to achieve Mansfield certification plus the very first year we were a cohort in uh, Diversity Labs Mansfield certification process. And that is illustrative of the leadership that we have uh, at, at various ranks, the diversity we have at leadership. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm so proud of the firm and proud of you, Sharon. Sharon Caffrey is the co-chair of the firm's trial practice group, uh, which is the largest practice group in the firm. And I'm biased here because I'm a trial lawyer. I think the best. Uh, so Sharon, thank you for joining us. First of all, let's talk a little bit about your career path. And then we'll talk about the leadership uh, at the firm generally, and then your work in leading the trial practice group. So give us a little bit of information about your your background, your career path, and how you uh, ended up at Dwayne Morris. Sure. Um, the short version of it is that I attended um, college at American University, came home to attend law school because my dad was ill and went to uh, what was then the Delaware Law School. It's now Widener. Um, was in Moot Court Honor Society and on law review there and had um, a really good experience. Uh, started off with a clerkship in New Jersey for a state court state judge um, and then went to um, a couple of New Jersey firms. After having my first child, I thought I would go to a small firm and uh, tried a small firm, but that it ended up with a lot more administrative work and a lot less uh, time for law. So I came to Dwayne Morris in 1997 as a senior associate, became partner in 2000, and I've been here ever since. A lifer at Dwayne Morris. Almost, yeah. Yeah, so the trial practice, uh, you co-chaired with Wayne Matt. Uh, tell me how you navigated that and how you ended up as the head of the co-chair uh, of the trial practice group. Um, well, I, I like to think it's because I am first and foremost a trial lawyer. Um, you know, I've just tried dozens and dozens and dozens of cases to verdict. I had one of the last cases go to verdict. They got a defense verdict for our client. 
right before the pandemic. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I am a real trial lawyer. And I think that you can't really leave this trial practice without being a real trial lawyer and understanding the stresses and strains and the demands and what judges expect. So that's a big part of it. And then, um, you know, I'm not one to sit back and be quiet. Uh, if there's a problem, I am you know, happy to discuss it with management. And so I think because of that, me not being a shrinking violet uh, and having real child chops, you know, I was elevated. But that actually sort of raises a really good point. I'm sure it's a challenge to continue to work as a trial lawyer while assuming and managing the administrative responsibilities that come with that leadership role. So what are some of those challenges and how do you strike that balance? Yeah, the hardest thing is like to really be a leader in a in a group with, we are 44% of the firm, um, 375-ish lawyers throughout the world. The most important thing is to be responsive, to make sure our clients are getting top service, that we're addressing client concerns and that our associates are being developed in a great way and you know getting good experiences and that we are eliminating all implicit bias to the extent possible so that they all have an equal chance to rise um, and have equal opportunities in the firm. So you, you put that on one hand and then you have the clients who email and want answers immediately and who expect you to try their cases and take the tough depositions. So the great news is that so far, Wayne and I have not had conflicting trials. So if he's on trial, I pick up a little bit more of the administrative um, matters and, if, and personnel issues and if and vice versa. So that's helped a lot. Um, but I also think that um, I'm, I've really developed some great, really wonderful, more junior partners who I trust implicitly to work on client matters and to be responsive to the clients when I can't be. So Sharon, you mentioned two things I want to sort of drill down on a little bit. One is uh, experience, getting experience for associates. That's harder these days. Uh, the other is bias and sort of eliminating bias. Let's take the second one first. Uh, one of the things that I'm very proud of is that the trial practice group was the first practice group in the firm to really go to sort of a blind rotating assignment system designed to mitigate the impact of affinity bias in the assignment of work, which a lot of studies show is sort of oftentimes sort of the tipping point to the career death spiral for diverse associates. Uh, what was the reason, the rationale behind uh, agreeing to do that? Uh, how does it work? Uh, and how has it worked since it's been implemented? So um, it's been a, a great program because it's also helped, believe it or not, with capacity management. We don't have a lot of people who are sitting around like with 50% capacity. You know, everybody's pretty darn busy. And we've done that by balancing the work assignments and opportunities. So if, if somebody rotates off a big case, you know, the case ends and they need work, you know, they're the first in line for the next big case, but maybe the case they were on, they were the most junior associate. Now I'm looking for the next ass assignment that'll give them the next step up, where maybe they're going to get to help with depositions or help with, you know, developing the experts. Um, you know, so it's been very intentional and I've maintained a lot of control over the process because I don't 
want. I don't want to just delegate that. It's too important. I don't want to delegate it to somebody who's not going to be doing the, the gut check every time to say, am I not giving this to Joe because, you know, Joe's diverse. You know, I, I don't, I want to make sure we're asking those questions every single time we give out an assignment. For the most part, we've been blessed to be so busy that it's just more who, who has any breathable space to take on a new assignment. That's right. No, listen, you, and the point you made shows that these kinds of uh, intentional and purposeful and strategic measures inure to the benefit, not just of the diverse lawyers, but everybody really, and by extension to the firm and to our ability to serve our clients. Uh, the other issue is uh, experience. You know, it's, you know, back, you and I are about the same vintage back in, in our day when we started trying cases, you know, if, if the judge or magistrate or whomever couldn't uh, twist enough arms and get you to settle the case, you tried the case. Uh, and clients were a lot less risk averse ADR wasn't as much of a thing as it is now, and you were able to get actual trial experience. That's harder to come by now. Uh, so how do you get uh, associates the kind of experience that will help them become actual trial lawyers when it's more well, difficult to get? We are lucky here. I mean, I have four cases listed this year that I think are all going to try. So we are really lucky here. Um, you know, of course, if our clients want a case to settle and we can help it settle, we do. But as a result of having trials, there are associates on every case and they are, you know, there'll be a junior partner, a senior associate and a junior associate on almost every case and everybody gets to take an active role. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to take a witness at trial because we have to be careful about the optics of too many people speaking before the jury. But everybody's going to have an active role. Maybe they're arguing the pretrial motions. They're getting a chance to get on their feet. Maybe they're preparing the witnesses with us and doing the mock crosses at night, you know, but they're going to be very involved. And then when they become the senior associate, they're definitely getting a witness in, in the courtroom. Um, and I think if you, you, if you are moving people around and giving them opportunities, that is how they get those experiences. One person came in uh, about three years ago and all he wanted to do was antitrust work. And I said, well, that's fine, but I'm gonna put you on some of these cases that are smaller cases too, because that way you're gonna get that opportunity to um, take a deposition. And he just took his first deposition and knocked it out of the park. But you know, he would not have had that opportunity on the antitrust cases. So we try to spread you know, maybe you're on a bigger case and a smaller case at the same time. So you're going to be more of the first chair associate on the smaller case, but maybe the third person on the big case. I find that our firm is unique. I think our associates probably get much more robust experience earlier in the career lifespan than at other firms. Do you think that to be the case, Sharon? I do think so. I think we run our cases lean. Um, as lean as we can. I think we look for opportunities to advance our associates. I'm thinking like our, our some of our appellate associates who are like fifth and sixth year have already argued before federal circuit courts. You know, sometimes it's, they start with a pro bono case, but I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, and then the same thing happens in trial. I think that we get, we push them forward and make sure that they get the experience earlier so we don't end up with, you know, eighth, ninth year associates up for partner who have never been in a courtroom. 
So we've talked about some of the changes and some of the things that um, have sort of evolved in the profession. Um, I'm going to ask you to, instead of looking back, let's look forward a little bit. When you think about some of the most fundamental changes that have taken place, um, what do you see uh, as some of the most fundamental changes, first of all, in the profession, but then secondly, in the trial realm uh, going forward? What are some trends that you would say to people in our audience? And our audience will run the gamut. We've got in-house people, corporate folks, other law firms, um, you know, people in our firm, we've got some potential laterals coming into the firm. What would you say, Sharon's crystal ball, about the profession and the trial practice uh, going forward? What would you say are some of the things that people should look out for? Well, I think that one of the big things that the pandemic brought out is that um, we all had to sort of reinvent ourselves and reinvent the way we work. And so I think that the future, and I'm not talking about just remote work or you know, uh, so some sort of hybrid remote work pro policy. I, I'm just right now. I'm thinking more about the the way you work, where you can work. I think how you work, um, whether it's paperless or not paperless. I, I think that that made us really examine our work practices and the work, the way we do work. I think that um, going forward we are going to have to work together when everybody's not in the same room. Um, there may be less flying around the country, although I still believe that nothing is more important than personal relationships, both with your colleagues and your clients. I mean, look at how much work we got done, Joe, on the strategic plan by putting, you know, 15 of us in, in a conference room several times. You know, so I think that nothing ever get, will replace that, but I think there's going to be a lot more of the remote work where we're communicating by whether it's by zoom or teams or those types of products um and maybe a little bit less of the jetting around and jetting around to exotic places you know where you get to try cases which is usually some small town in the midwest or you know it's not only yeah, <laughs> the south or you know philly um you know yeah, I think that's a big trend that we're going to see. I also think that we are going to see, continue to see more and more clients um, expecting us to take stances on social justice issues and to be thought leaders in that area. Um, I think everything that's happened in the past four or five years has just made the, the lawyer, lawyers have an obligation to society. Um, to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. And whether it's through pro bono work, which you know we're really big on, or it's through um, clients asking us to get involved in social justice issues and to, uh, diversity issues and to be thought leaders in those areas, I think that's gonna continue as a trend. Sure, we have about one minute left. I'm gonna ask you the same question that I ask uh, all of the people I interview for whom I have uh, just tremendous respect. And that is, um, what advice would you give to uh, younger lawyers uh, just entering the profession, considering everything we've talked about, how things have changed, how things have evolved, even the last point you made about the impact of sort of uh, this overlay of social justice, uh, what, what advice would you give to younger lawyers entering the profession right now? Um, I still think that it's the same advice I would have given 10 years ago, and that is, 
when you start practicing law, you have a you have a five year uphill climb where the learning curve is very, very, very steep, but it's probably where you can absorb the most. So I would tell that those lawyers don't work remotely every single day. Spend time with the senior people so that you can learn from them. It's almost an osmosis because it's the conversations in the hall. It's discussing a case in an informal way, somebody popping in your office, but it's also observing. I, you know, I've learned so much in the past 10 years watching people who are amazing business developers and how they develop business and how they talk to clients and prospects. You know, think of our amazing chairman, you know, who is just a phenomenal business developer. He makes everybody feel good. That's not something you're going to learn on a Zoom, you know, so spend time, but absorb, try to be around people and absorb and um, just realize that the first five years, you know, they're going to be mistakes and bumps and every assignment's not going to be perfect and nobody expects that. We just expect you to keep trying to get better. Sharon, that is absolutely great advice. Uh, thank you for making time. This has been um, just an absolutely fantastic conversation. I, since I serve on the partners board with you, you're my boss as the head of our trial practice group. <laughs> And we work on a number of matters together. So I get the privilege of connecting with you on a regular basis. Uh, I'm just glad that you gave me the chance to share your wisdom with everybody else. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Joe. And thank you for all you do for the firm.